You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. There's maybe one person out there who enjoys all the same things I do, from Patton to Sanford and Son to Animaniac. He probably doesn't listen to this podcast, but if he did, he would love my intros. But, um... That was a great, great cartoon back in the day. That's an age check. If you're, like, early 30s, you loved Animaniacs. Pinky and the Brain and whatnot, which, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be on the show one day. I am saying that I'm running low on ideas, so it probably will be. By the way, feel free to submit ideas for intros, because I, I, I don't plan them out. I wake up and it's like, oh yeah, i got to think of a thing. And then for whatever reason... Literally, every day, it's just been something that pops into my head that I really like. It's like, oh yeah, that was an awesome cartoon, let's do that. It's still my favorite part of the day, though. Which is unfortunate, when you got about 17, 18 hours worth a day, and the first five minutes are the best five minutes. That's that's rough. But anywho, on today's podcast, I want to look at a couple different things, but one of those things is Devontae Adams, and more specifically... Is there a Devontae Adams on our team? And if so, who? By that I mean a guy who hasn't really lived up to expectations that, you know, becomes awesome. Now, if you have subscribed to the Packernet Podcast YouTube channel, or no, the Pack Daddy NFL YouTube channel, or if you saw the video on Facebook, you already know my answer. I would like to go a little bit more in depth on that. The videos I'm trying to keep to 10 minutes or less, and so I can't really expand on things very much. But that's the main question of the day. And again, if you have not seen that video, it's because you have not subscribed to Pack Daddy NFL. Shame on you. Or you haven't liked the Pack... Uh, there's too much stuff. It's t- There's too much stuff. I'm too... It's too early. I'm too early. I can't say... I'm... This isn't... I should quit. <sighs> okay. Let's reset here. There's Facebook. There's a group and a page. Jump... Jump to it. Go to it. Get in there. Like it, subscribe to it, whatever the terminology is. Also, something I've never actually done before, thank you very much to Tom Richmond for the iTunes review and uh, JakeComore569. These are kind of old reviews, but iTunes takes a while to, to pop these out. The, uh, the, the review just popped up yesterday, and it's from 713, so it takes about a week, I guess. But uh, I really do appreciate it, and one of these days I'm hoping iTunes actually pays attention to their own reviews and uses that to help them figure out which shows are good or not. Because, um, I don't, it makes sense to me. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe someday we can dream. But thank you very much. If nothing else, it makes me feel happy. But anyways, why don't we take our break now, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit of news, and talk about the uh, Devante thing. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones 
by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So in terms of news, there's a whole lot of things being said, but I don't really care about much of them. It sounds like the, and and I've kind of mentioned this before, the NFL really only cares about starting and ending the season. That and certain financial things. All the other stuff, although they have a stance and they believe that they know the right way to handle it, if it means they can have a season, they don't care. So it's kind of like, Assuming you're not a very good negotiator, you go to buy a car. The price is ten grand. You bring ten grand in cash. You say, "I want it for seven grand." At the end of the day, all you really want is the car. And so you negotiate and you negotiate and you negotiate, and eventually you keep offering more. All right, eight. All right, nine. All right, nine and a half. And at the end of it, you give them the ten grand because whatever. I have the money, and I just want the car. So fine. The preseason is like that extra five hundred bucks. I don't know if it's officially gone yet. They offered it. And rather than any kind of a response saying, okay, then we're not doing it. I don't even know what that means. All I saw was some kind of, I don't know. I shouldn't care. I don't even know who this guy is. I'm assuming some NFLPA representative or uh, individual. He comes out to, quote unquote, set the record straight. They didn't offer us the preseason game. They could have just not done it to begin with or something. I don't even know what that first point meant. It's like, okay, but they offered it. He goes on to say, they didn't concede it, we agreed to it. Okay, well, if I ask you for $10, and you say you're only going to give me $4, and by the end of that negotiation, you give me $10, we technically did agree, but you also conceded to give me what I want. Both things are true. Don't say, no, I didn't concede. Yes, you did. Just the the dumb bickering. Just, nobody cares. I understand you got to work it out, but work it out. I don't want to hear you crying. Again, nobody in this situation is a victim. 
And all of these guys tend to think that they're like in some kind of really serious predicament that nobody else in the world has to be in. We're all in our safe little bubbles, free from disease. And they have to go and be exposed by playing football. Dude, you have it better than anybody. You've got better testing, you've got better doctors, you've got cleaner facilities. You'll be alright. Go play the game, please. Again, I work at a hospital. I've never taken a day off. At least not for COVID-19. Never even crossed my mind. I just go to work. There's signs all over calling me a hero for some random reason. I don't know why. It's kind of weird. Because, you know, I'm just going to work. Just like everybody else at my work and everybody else at all the other hospitals and all the other places that never took a day off that just continue living their lives. And you're putting on this big show about, oh, I don't know. If you don't want to play, don't play. You know, we've got the Packers rookies. They're not showing up. They don't know when they're showing up. All right. Okay. I, I, and I, I don't know why. I don't know if, if the Packers decided to push it back or if they all just got together and said, we're not coming. I don't know. I don't know what that means or why. And I don't know why they would say that. But it's just, it's just it, at this point, I'm just annoyed. Are you going to play football or not? There are safety precautions in place. It's not going to be perfect. It won't be. You're not perfectly safe. Whether you play football or not, are you going to play or are you not going to play? And this is, this is no different than politics in which the words that they say are, we just care about people, but in reality, this is the old, never let a good crisis go to waste. This is how much can we squeeze out of this. And I'm tired of it. You got to take a hit too. Just like I got to take a hit, just like the owner's got to take a hit, just like everybody's got to take a hit. If you're refusing, then stay home and don't get paid. But quit playing games. I just saw that too, and it just annoyed me. Sounds like the NFL just conceded everything, and they come out with a statement, they didn't concede anything, they're the worst. It's like, oh, shut up. I can't even imagine like going to my boss, complaining every single day that I don't get paid enough, I'm overworked, and he's like, fine, I'll give you a raise, and it's like, you didn't give me a raise. This money was owed to me. I would fire myself if I was ever that obnoxious. I'm sorry your seventh month vacation, seven month vacation is coming to an end and now you have to go back to work. Like the rest of us. With your boss begging and pleading and bending over backwards to get you to come back and do your job. And it looks like there's hardly going to be any fans. And if there are, I mean, you know, New York already said no fans. 500 is the cap, so that's obviously not going to work. Maybe they're going to sell some, you know, they'll sell the box seats or something. I don't know. But there's no people around. It's you and your healthy team against someone else and their healthy team playing football, going home. You willing to do that or not? You're going to be getting tested every single day more than anybody else. I just, I, I, I don't know what else it is that you would like. And I don't really even truly understand the preseason thing. The other big complaint that they have is we're worried about injury. Right. And so we need to be practicing, we need to be playing so that our bodies can get into football shape, otherwise we're in danger. Also, we don't want to go to training camp, we don't want to actually have to do anything in camp, and we don't want to have preseason. What? What? How, how, how does that help you get ready for the football season? You're going to be, I mean, there's, there's going, if there's a season, there's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of injuries on top of people that contract the virus and have to sit out. There's going to be a lot of people out. Speaking of, by the way, some very good news, the NBA tested everybody. Nobody had the disease. Now, that is a separate, isolated thing, because apparently they had this little bubble, although I don't think it was perfect. I, I, I wasn't, I'm not going to speak on that as though I know what's going on, because I keep hearing about it, but I don't exactly know what it was. But from what I understand, it sounded like it wasn't a perfect bubble. Either way, 
whoever came in and out of that bubble apparently did not have this disease. And so everybody was tested, zero cases of COVID. Now, the obnoxious thing is some people are saying, see, if we just isolate for a while, then it dies. Okay, well, that's not how that works. And the point is, they're gonna, once they go out of their bubble, it, the, that was useless. Now, now you're susceptible to it again. And you can't put the entire world in a bubble for three weeks. You can't. It's not physically possible. So that whole theory of, of you know, on a larger scale, it doesn't work. The only way that works is we're going to try to do that just for the NBA season, and nobody's allowed to see anybody for the NBA season except people that are in this bubble. If that's even the plan, that's a fine plan. It works. It'll, it'll be just fine. I don't know if that's what the plan is. Again, once the season's over and they leave the bubble, everybody's susceptible again, so it's not actually a solution, but it is a solution to keeping COVID out of the NBA. Again, assuming that's even the plan. If it's not, then I don't know what the point of any of this was other than to have zero tests so that we could start the season and then who cares who gets it, which is, again, dumb. And since the NFL isn't really doing that, right, people show up and then they get tested, unlikely that there's zero positive tests. But still, it's information that the NFL can use. If they come back and there's like 70 positive cases and they're starting to panic, maybe they have to consider some kind of a bubble thing, right? And to be honest, it's July 21st. They could easily have people report and just hang out for two weeks, right? We're just, we're just not doing it. There's a billion cases, plan Z, right? Scrap all this stuff. Everybody just isolates. We let this thing die so that nobody gets it. Again, the problem is once they start no longer being isolated, they're susceptible to getting this disease again. But for the optics of it, after two weeks, we retest. Zero people have it. Yay! Go on with your training camp. Nobody still has it because they stay there. And then once we have to start playing games and getting on airplanes and flying across the country and traveling around and passing people and touching things that are not in bubbles and whatnot, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the purpose of that would be, but it's not bad news. And just hope, hope, hope that um, when they go through this litmus test of testing, which the results should be coming out fairly soon, not for the Packers who are choosing not to show up, but for other teams that are having people show up um, today, largely, they will be tested today. I had heard that these are 24-hour test results, so I believe it is get tested and then no testing, no testing, get tested again. You have to have two negative tests. Maybe that's just for the season. It would make more sense if you do testing and then testing the next day because let's get on with this. But either way, um, we should have some test results relatively soon before the end of the week. And so let's hope and pray that uh, things are low. Again, it doesn't actually matter in terms of the season because if somebody has it in two weeks, they won't have it anymore. But again, the, the optics of it, the you know the players deciding because of that they're not coming, as irrational as that might be, there's going to be a lot of irrational reactions and decisions as a result of this that could lead to problems down the line. Players saying, I'm not coming, people saying that this is irresponsible, you know, and then if, if politicians feel like they can capitalize on this in some way and say, I'm not allowing football here because this is irresponsible and everybody cheers for them, it causes a problem, right? All of that is un- irrational, but all of that is very possible based on how people have been reacting to everything this whole year. You know, being rational doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to be the thing that we do. So anyways, again, so far so good. We're plugging along. We'll see how it goes. It definitely still seems like there's going to be some kind of a season. Again, the fact that other sports are firing up is a good thing. 
And I, I, I also, again, think that a lot of this union stuff was posturing. Again, it's kind of like you have the money for the car in your pocket. In other words, you're willing to play under these circumstances, but you want to see how much you can get out of this. And so you negotiate, and they got some stuff, right? We got the car down to 8500 All right, so let's move on to uh, talking about the next Devontae Adams. First of all, um, and I just saw this also, Devontae apparently was up at midnight on Twitter. And at this point, it's just, it's it's kind of just getting old. Like, all right, I, I get it. Right, what was it, like a month ago where I told you there's a formula for uh, how to go viral? You make a list and a lot of it kind of makes sense. Some of it's a little bit iffy and then some of it is just ridiculous. Well, Chris Sims has tried to jump on that bandwagon. And it, again, it's like, dude, just stop. Devontae tweeted out, everybody give Chris Sims the attention he's seeking. It's a top 10 list of wide receivers. Devontae is not on the list. Here is the list. Number one, Tyreek Hill. Okay. I mean, physical skill set, I could see it. Julio, number two. He's a monster. Michael Thomas, number three. Puts up massive numbers. Mike Evans at four. I mean, I'm guessing this is him wanting... Mike Evans to explode because of Tom Brady, and then he's going to come back to this and say, Everybody said I was crazy. That wasn't a Chris Sims impression, by the way. I don't know what he sounds like. Actually, I kind of do. I've listened to his podcast. DeAndre Hopkins at five. Similar situation, I think, because he went to the Cardinals. He's expecting him to go down. Odell Beckham at six, which Odell Beckham hasn't been. I mean, he's athletic enough, sure. Good enough wide receiver. He hasn't done anything. So if this is about you know, what he'll be this year. I don't know why Odell would be sick. A.J. Green at seven, I can definitely see that. People keep forgetting about A.J. Green. I've been saying for a while, every time he comes up uh, for debate in terms of should he come to Green Bay, the guy's never been bad. He's been hurt recently, um, and he has a pretty poor quarterback and has for some time, but um, he's never been bad. Just That's just the reality. So if he plays this year and has a better quarterback, I mean, it's possible age catches him at some point, and maybe he is officially done, and sometimes a an injury in your 30s kind of caps that off to where it's like, all right, you're just not the same guy anymore. But if that's not the case, this could still be correct. Amari at 8 is too high. Amari Cooper's a good wide receiver. He's always been a little bit overhyped, though. Kind of like Mike Evans, I guess, although Mike Evans, hasn't, Mike Evans hasn't been overhyped. I think Mike Evans is more talented than A.J. Green, at least more physically um, more high of an upside, and neither of them has really fully reached their potential, but but Amari gets way more credit. Stefan Diggs at 9 is an absolute joke. He doesn't belong in the top 10. He didn't belong there in Minnesota. He certainly doesn't belong there now, although Chris Sims is possibly thinking about the fact that he's sort of a deep threat, and he's going to Buffalo with this guy with a rocket for an arm. Maybe Chris Sims doesn't realize that... Um, Josh Allen in Buffalo has the worst accuracy in the NFL, so that's probably not going to pan out, but uh, whatever. And then he put Cortland Sutton at 10. Cortland Sutton is an underrated wide receiver. He's talented, but this is ridiculous. First of all, if this is about what he's going to produce this year, I think he's this is a, a really risky bet. You have a pretty bad quarterback in Drew Locke. Maybe he'll become better, I don't know. But also, they drafted Jerry Judy. And then follow that up with K.J. Hamler, who was my favorite wide... Those were my favorite two wide receivers in the draft. Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. Um, So anyways, that's not what we're talking about. But I just just saw that. Again, Devontae tweeted that out at midnight. 
So it was there bright and early for me this morning, and it just you just you just gotta shake your head. I mean, it, and they don't they don't write out explanations, right? When I did my top ten quarterbacks or whatever, which clearly is one of those that you could look at and say this is ridiculous, but I explained it all. There's a whole podcast about it. I gave you my whole thought process. I understand it looks ridiculous. And yeah, I made a graphic and put it out there just on the off chance that maybe it blew up because people would say that it's really stupid. Unfortunately, the people that follow me are entirely too polite. They didn't feel the need to call me stupid, so it didn't go anywhere. But if you just look at it, it's like, ugh. But again, I, it's it's a real list that I put out based on what I think will happen this year. Well, not necessarily that, but sort of like betting odds, I guess. Because it's not that I think Lamar is going to be wherever I put him. It's just that I didn't want to put him too high because I don't know. Anyways, it's a ridiculous list. And he's getting all the attention. He got Devontae to retweet it, which, of course, you know, Tyreek probably isn't going to retweet it. Mike Evans probably isn't going to retweet it. Maybe they will because they're higher on these lists than they usually are. But you get Devontae to retweet it because you do something ridiculous. It's the crazy stuff that gets the retweets. Because you get people that are angry, and then you get people who, you know, just want to sound smart and say this is a bad list. I just, I don't know. It's just, I, I guess I'm just bored with the off season. It's I'm ready to start. I mean, that's off season stuff. We need to start transitioning a little bit here. But all right, let's look at Devontae Adams. So Devontae Adams joined the team in 2014. And the first thing I did when I looked at this is I wanted to get a feel for what we actually felt of Devontae at the time, because, you know, I don't remember things perfectly. So I went back and looked at some articles from that time. And it the, the, the best way that I can see this all playing out is that in 2014, if you remember, the Green Bay Packers were a dominant force. And there was a lot of optimism about, about Devontae, probably because Packer fans were in a really good mood. So as an example, there was an article written in October, essentially saying he's having a pretty good start. You know, he hasn't done much yet, but uh, there's a couple flashes, whatever. By that point, I mean, he had had, uh, let's see, one game over 50 yards. He had one touchdown. So there's, you know, a little bit of something. But at the end of 2014, he kind of tapered off. So after week 13, get out of my face. I feel like there's been 18 alarms every five seconds. So week 14, if you just look at grades, 50, 45, 56, 51. That was a four-week stretch of just not doing very much. One reception for six yards, one reception for six yards, two receptions for 17 yards against Detroit, zero targets, zero receptions, zero yards. Then in the playoffs, he had a decent game. Playing against Dallas, 11 targets, seven receptions, 117 yards, and a touchdown. Clearly the best game of his rookie season. And then Seattle, we don't need to talk about that. That game never happened, so Devontae doesn't even have stats. Next year, however, is when I think things started to get a little bit more disappointing. Packer fans were expecting big things because the Packers are so dominant in 2014. 2015 rolls around, clearly did not go the way that we had hoped. Rodgers wasn't playing quite as well as we thought he should. And Devontae just never really took a step. You know, we're talking four receptions, 59 yards, no touchdowns. Five receptions, 33 yards, no touchdowns. Zero receptions, zero yards. Had a 31 grade in that game. Uh, he had one reception for eight yards. And he had a little bit of a stretch, 93, 79, then 36, 14, 21, talking yards, uh, 12, 32, 42, 54, 48. And he had two touchdowns on the season. So at this point, you know, Packer fans are getting a little bit more grumpy. The team didn't look good. Why isn't Devontae getting any better? This is when you start to hear the rumbles of it's just not going to work. Right? It's been two years. You give him some grace in October of his rookie season, 
But by the end of 2015, after we lose in the playoffs again, you know, enough is enough. And so 2016 is when things start to pick up for Devontae Adams. Grade-wise, he goes from average to good. Stats-wise, he goes from 500 yards to 1,200 yards. He goes from four touchdowns, two touchdowns, to 14 touchdowns, which, by the way, 2016, still the most touchdowns he's had in a season. He was a touchdown monster that year. Third most yard, not quite as good with reception percentage, just not quite as good overall, not quite as refined, but he had some really monster games. His first kind of breakout game um, was against the Chicago Bears week 7 of 2016, which is something else to keep in mind. As we move on and talk about who the next breakout player is, remember that, first of all, Devontae's third year was a breakout year statistically, but he still didn't fully come into his own until 2017. Also, he didn't really have his breakout game until week 7, and then he kind of went back and kind of fell off again. So if we're waiting for somebody to have a breakout year and he has a bad week 1, just wait. Give it time. So week one, seven targets, three receptions, 50 yards, and a touchdown. Not bad, but it's still more of the same. Week two, three receptions, 26 yards, no touchdowns. Like, okay, great. Year three, time to move on. Game over. Tired of this. Two receptions, 23 yards. Five receptions, 85 yards. Two receptions, 34 yards. And then you get your 16 targets, 13 receptions, 132 yards, two touchdowns. And interestingly enough, I I didn't really even notice this, 2017, Devontae Adams actually got off to, again, grade-wise, somewhat of a slow start. From week one until week nine, he had one really solid game. Again, grade-wise, although statistically, it's kind of the same. Starting in week 10, his grades were 83, 79, 81, 76, 82, 82. I don't know if I've ever seen that consistent of a dominant stretch. But let's just say by week 10 of 2017, it was it was lights out. It was game over. Devontae just became and will continue to be from this moment one of the greats. But so the question is, who is that guy? Who would you say is the guy that has all that potential, that hasn't lived up to the potential, that some people are, are curious to see who's going to become that guy, and other people are like, let's just move on? There's a couple options. So I have to quick interject here. I also noticed on the Twitters, again, posted seven hours. Apparently a lot of stuff happened at midnight last night. Uh, The Packers are back on schedule. They're going to be showing up on Thursday. So two days pending any other interruptions. Anyways, the first is Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It makes sense. He's a wide receiver. He's got a lot of upside. Had a rough couple years, but we've seen the flashes. And so a lot of people think he's going to take that Devontae jump. To quickly summarize... And I've said this before, so I don't want to drone on about it. Devontae is now playing up to his status. In other words, what we drafted him to be, maybe a little bit beyond that. Marquez is kind of already at where he was drafted. He's playing like a back-of-the-fifth-round wide receiver already. So although we expected more because we just look at six foot four running a four three eight or whatever he runs, and we assume that means he's going to be the next Julio Jones. You don't draft Julio Jones at the back of the fifth. Um, again, it's not impossible. Granted, you know, Devontae is a second-round pick. DeAndre Hopkins, first-round pick. Keenan Allen was a third-round pick. Tyreek was a fifth-round pick, but I think it was off-the-field stuff. Uh, Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round pick, so maybe. But he started off pretty good as a rookie and has been consistent ever since. Uh, I mean, Doug Baldwin was an undrafted free agent, but again, he was good right out of the gate. A.J. Green, first-round pick. Uh, Golden Tate, this this is from several years ago. He's not that good anymore, but he was a first-round pick. 
Michael Thomas, first round pick. I'm sorry, second round pick. Chris Godwin was a third round pick. So it's it's when you look at the elite wide receivers, you get a lot of first round picks, a good amount of second round picks, and a few third round picks. There are outliers, but from what I can see, every one of these outliers kind of stepped up immediately. And and it doesn't mean MVS couldn't be the first, but you know that there's every single fan base has that one or two or six fifth round picks that they think, man, maybe he's going to break out. And we look at them and just laugh and go, okay, dude, guess what? Everybody's looking at us and saying, yeah, okay, MVS, okay. Beyond that, his snap count's completely plummeted. They're they're taking the ball away from him. It's going in the wrong direction if MVS is going to step up and become the next Devontae Adams. You know, week four, he had 64 snaps at wide receiver. Week five, 54. Week six, 41. He never saw the 40s after that. He had two games after that in the 30s. Only one game in the 20s. After the bye week, 23, 13, 5, 5. Actually, I'm lying. I'm not looking at this. These are his snaps out wide. Pretty close, though. 29, 17, 10, 7, 11, 20. And then when we got to the playoffs, he played six total snaps. Six total. From week 8 through the end of the season, Marquez Valdez-Scantling had one game over 10 yards. He had six games with zero yards. I just, you know, we added Devin Funches, so it's clearly Funches and Lazard at the top of the list. That puts MVS maybe fourth. But, I mean, he didn't even get a single target in the game against San Francisco. Jay Kumaro, Tyler Irvin, Jay Sternberger had two, Mercedes had two, Geronimo had Geronimo was getting more targets than Marquez was, and we cut Geronimo. So, anyways, again, I'm not saying MVS is the guy. I don't know that that's the best bet. The only other two guys that that come immediately to mind, and you could go down the list. It doesn't have to be guys that this would be their break. I mean, you could say Jay Sternberger if you wanted to. I don't care. Although you would have to then assume he's going to have a bad year this year and then a good year next year, which actually is not the worst thing. I mean, if you wanted to play the long game, you could say Jace is the next Avante. Because again, remember, he's kind of raw. Jay Sternberger's coming into this a little bit raw. He didn't get a lot of opportunities last year. He's not getting a lot of, of... training this year, right? There's no preseason, training camp's all messed up. So him taking a giant leap this year is possible because he's getting a lot, he's going to be thrust into a, uh, more than likely a top position, getting a lot of snaps and whatnot. So you could say this is his first actual year in a full-time role and he's still very raw. And then the next year, you know, what? but point is, I'm looking at two guys, Kevin King and Josh Jackson. Now, my biggest issue with Kevin King I can hear the collective groans through my headset. First of all, remember, he's already played his third year. Devontae broke out in year three. Kevin King did not. Remember, Devontae's grades were 60, 57, and then in the 70s. Kevin King, 51, 56, 62. Now, that's progression every single year. It's also the first time he played a season without getting hurt, right? 300 snaps, 300 snaps, 900 snaps. So there is progress there, and if you kind of maybe just combine the first two seasons into one season, you could say, well, that was like 2017-2018 was like quarter, two-thirds two of a season. Two quarters would be a half. That's not what I'm trying to say. 2019 was like his first full kind of go at it. So maybe this is his breakout. It could be. He's also a second-round pick. He's got all the tools and attributes that you could want. But I just feel like we've had a bigger sample size with Kevin King, so the odds of a breakout are a little bit lower. If Kevin King's going to break out, it's going to be in year four. It's possible, but I'm just not putting my money there. Now, the reason that I'm going to lean on Josh Jackson a little bit, which might be ridiculous because he might not even see the field very much, but let's talk about that. 
With Tremont leaving, the Packers have to find somebody to fill that spot. As much as it's annoyed me that they have not just given Josh Jackson one spot to learn and they keep moving him all over the place, the benefit of it is, is that he's played everywhere. He's played free safety. He's played strong safety. He's played out wide. He's played in the slot. 16 snaps he played at free safety. 39 snaps he played out wide, 24 snaps he played in the slot, 22 snaps he played in the box, which is the linebacker safety hybrid spot, or strong safety, whatever you want to call it. That's what Josh Jackson did last year, and that's what he's done throughout his entire career. And again, it's annoyed me because he's he's a talented guy that's trying to learn a new scheme. He's more of a zone guy, and this is a man defense, so it, he's got a lot to learn, and they're not giving him that much opportunity, but, but keep that in mind. He has not had very many opportunities at all. 2018 was his his first year, and he did have some decent opportunities there, 721 total snaps. This past year, 102. So he also has kind of just had one season, but also his grades, 59 and 60, he's had two of those kind of not quite there years. And after year two of just not really doing anything, you kind of get into that time to give up territory. Now, it's a long shot. I'm Granted, it is definitely a long shot, and it's probably a safer bet to just say Kevin King or MVS, especially Kevin King, because you know he's going to play. It just comes down to, is he going to play well? Josh Jackson, we don't know if he's even going to win the job, but keep this in mind. Josh Jackson was expected to be picked in the first round. He was never, ever expected to make it to the Packers in the second round. He is only 24 years old. Something else to keep in mind, if Kevin King doesn't take a step he's going to be looking for a contract, and the Packers aren't going to be super thrilled about paying him a bunch of money. There is nothing they would love more than for Josh Jackson to really break out this year so that they don't have to pay Kevin. And they might, but I doubt it, because they're definitely going to be paying Jair. And you don't want to have a big Kevin contract and a big Jair contract on top of having a big quarterback contract, a big wide receiver contract, a big offensive tackle contract for David Bakhtiari. Right? I mean, you can't pay all these guys, and Aaron Jones, and Corey Lindsley. They, they're not all getting contracts. And so the last thing you want to do is dole out a, a giant $10, $11, $12 million deal to a cornerback that just hasn't done much, talking about Kevin King. So the, the desire for the Packers to push Josh, Josh Jackson into that spot in hopes that he reaches that full potential is pretty huge. And again, with Tremont leaving, they have to push somebody into that spot. I think that they're going to want to try to push Josh into that spot. And remember, his best two games were his last two games against the Giants and the, and the Redskins, or the Washington team. That was the last time we saw him, but he just did a good job. And I remember even the comments from, from myself and other Packer fans, like, dude, did you see Josh Jackson? He looked pretty good. It's kind of what we wanted to see from him. You get that little glimmer. That glimmer that we haven't had since the first preseason, when he just looked like a complete stud. And we thought this Jair, Tremont, and Josh Jackson combo was just going to be electrifying. Because I think all three of them had picks. So they're all long shots, and I don't really care who you want to pick, but but I'm kind of looking at Josh largely because everybody's forgot about him. Everybody's written him off already. Everybody's assuming that it's Kevin King and Jair, and that's just what it is, but Josh Jackson was a second-round pick too. He's got just as much, if not more, potential than Kevin King has. He doesn't have the same physical attributes, but again, I don't care as much about that. The fact that he doesn't have those physical attributes tells you something. Kevin King being as big and as fast as he is, why did he fall into the second round and get drafted right where Josh Jackson is? Because Jackson is a better player than Kevin King is. He doesn't have the physical attributes and the upside that Kevin does, but he's just a solid football player. And if those football instincts can kick in in the NFL and if he can just comprehend this defense a little bit better and just know where to be, really absorb all this stuff, 
He's he's got everything that is necessary to be a really good standout player. Again, do I do I think it's going to happen? No. Do I expect it to happen? No. If he doesn't even make the team, are you going to throw this back in my face? Yes. <laughs> Which is entirely possible. But anyways, that's that. If you have another option, because there's plenty of options that you can choose from in terms of who you think the next breakout player is, please throw that up in the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Love to see your predictions. Otherwise, I will talk to you tomorrow. Again, make sure to subscribe to Pack Daddy NFL. That is my YouTube channel. Otherwise, get in the Facebook page or group. That's where you can find those things because I'm also posting them up on Facebook. However, something to keep in mind, I'm, I'm thinking maybe this weekend doing a, uh, a live stream. Just just contemplating it. I'm not going to be live streaming to the Facebook group. That's going to be for YouTube. So I will post the video after it's done in the Facebook group. But if you want to actually be in the chat, ask questions, comment, whatever, that's going to be over at YouTube. So Pack Daddy NFL, please go subscribe to that. It would be greatly appreciated. Otherwise, you folks have yourselves a fantastic Tuesday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.